Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Brainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of It's March 21st, 2017. I'm Eric Clancy, joined as always by Patrick Kelly. We are the Weekday Warriors of Wrestling, presented by TheBrainOfStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening, we appreciate your support, whether that be texting, tweeting, um, liking, sharing, all those fun things. Uh, Even really texting, if you want. Yeah, whatever you guys want. Um, it, it all helps out. So um, we're less than two weeks away from WrestleMania, so that's going to dominate most of this conversation. Um uh so Patrick we chatted a little bit right before we got off the air but um you uh liked raw didn't like raw were a fan wasn't a fan how did you feel about the show Uh well I didn't see I was telling you I didn't see the full show I only saw the last hour um and you pretty much summed it up yourself as someone who saw the full show there's some stuff I liked there was some stuff I didn't like uh but the stuff I liked was good enough to leave a positive impression on me particularly the Triple H Seth Rollins stuff I thought was handled very well yeah, you know, I, I I think that feud, and you kind of hit the nail on the head either last week or a few weeks ago, um, Seth's injury was one of the best things to happen to this feud because <laughs> it's like, it's legitimately put it into doubt. And now, you know, I, I had listened to um, uh, Meltzer a little bit after the injury had happened, and he said, that their plan was going that was that Seth was still going to compete at WrestleMania. So, you know, however many weeks ago, like right after the Royal Rumble or or whenever it was, um, or before Fastlane, I don't know when it was, but you know, however many weeks ago, the inside scoop was that hey, this is still going to happen. They're still going to do that. But even with that, I've felt, and I don't know if this is the storyline is is really good or I, I wasn't quite sure. I felt like the Oh, is he going to wrestle? They haven't officially announced a match yet. You know, like like they normally do that ahead of time. Are they waiting for like Finn Balor to be the substitute? And then there were all these other like news postings from from less reputable sites, and they were like, "Well, you know, he's not he's he's not clear to have a match. He's cleared to do things in the ring, but he's not clear to have a match." And and maybe I was like, "Oh, maybe that's true." So the fact that they've done this as well as they have, as opposed to getting like eight weeks of like. Oh, I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna fight you, Seth. Or some lame stuff. They have this thing, which, which you know, uh, made the feud so much more enjoyable and less predictable. You know, I'm a fan of art through adversity. That's one of the reasons I always respected Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker and the way he made movies like Jaws, where you know he really had to work around the limitations uh that were presented to him and the limitations of that film was that the shark props just didn't work so they had to basically shoot around it 
which is but, why you hardly ever see it, which comes into a great Hitchcockian uh, suspense-style filmmaking. Yes, exactly. And uh, this is a very similar situation where, you know, they on paper, that looks like a hindrance. It's like, oh, God, we lost one of our guys just right before the big show. But there's a, enough of a window where he can heal, and it kind of guided the storyline working around the limitation. Well, we can't have Seth wrestle during that time, so let's just make that the story. And it's made the show a lot better because of it. Yeah, and, and you know, it keeps Seth fresh. He doesn't get overexposed. I mean, there are points where, like like Roman Reigns, like a lot of these guys, when they get overexposed, you, you really see the weaknesses inherent in WWE writing. Um, and that hasn't happened. So, you know, and you only see Triple H every few weeks. So that has enabled this feud to feel fresh. And it feels it, it's the correct way how WWE should do their reg, their full-timers as part-timers. Like, maybe we don't see them every week on TV, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I think all those tri- Triple H, they've only touched each other the two times. Once during the four-way match. And then a few weeks ago, or last week, or whenever it was, when Triple H attacked Seth. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's been really well done, like an old school type build, and and I like that a lot. The other thing <clears throat> on this show that I thought was great, and um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but that was the highlight reel segment. I did not see that. All right, so um, for for those of you who missed it, and which includes Patrick, um, when they announced that Jericho is going to, he's going to interview the real Kevin Owens and the first thing you think of is like Photoshop jokes, which Jericho always goes into. And I, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with Jericho's face turned because I know Jericho goes from like an amazing face into I'm sorry, an amazing heel into a pretty terrible face pretty quickly. But that really hasn't happened yet. You know, I, I was listening to um uh Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer on a on a show a few weeks ago and Alvarez is like, well, you know, Jericho, he, like he came out and he said that 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 his feelings were hurt and he lost his best friend. Like, well, that's terrible booking. That's terrible for a for a baby face. And Meltzer, to his credit, disagreed and said, you know, um, you know, it, it got over. And to my point is, everybody doesn't have to be a tough ass kicking like Steve Austin guy. There are so many of those guys. Like. Showing you that you, showing us that you have actual emotions and you care about this, and letting us feel with you. I, I think we're like, you know, I think that Daniel Bryan and Kane hug it out stuff kind of pushed wrestling fans to a spot where they're now okay going, and uh, some of the <laughs> old rules are out the window. And um, so uh, I keep waiting for the. It's okay to feel things. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be a a nihilistic asshole like the like WWE baby faces have been for so long, but. So with this um, with this segment, I thought it was going to be like bad Photoshop, but instead, Chris Jericho shows the real Kevin Owens, and he shows a picture of Kevin Owens at age like 16 or 17 or something in a Y2J shirt in his room doing a Y2J pose with Jericho with a Jericho poster on the wall, and Jericho points out he's like, look, you know, he's like. He's like, this is the real Kevin Owens, a, uh, a fan, a guy who, who idolized me growing up. He's like a guy, and he said that he was marking it out for him, which I thought was funny. Um, and then he shows some DMs between Kevin Owens and, and Jericho when Owens got hired. And he's like, hey, can I just have some advice of, of, um, of what it's like to be in WWE? You know, I'd be a fool not to ask, ask you. And then Jericho's like, hey, you're here for a reason, you know. So he showed these, and 
Jericho said, he's like, this is the real Kevin Owens. And, and he says, you know, so I guess I never was his friend. I'm his idol. And then cut this amazing promo about how at WrestleMania he's going to get, he's going to feel those nerves when he steps in the ring against his hero. And it was just really interesting, great stuff. And Jericho is a guy who always, like Mick Foley, when he's pushed, can cut a great promo and can do great segments. And we saw, you know, the Festival of Friendship a few weeks ago, which was a great segment. And then this segment was really great. And it shows you, even as a face, Jericho can cut a great promo. I mean, does he always? No. Sometimes he 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 goes into safe, easy territory with, like, you know, rock-like baby names for people. But he when he wants to, he can cut a passionate, empowered promo. And I thought this was, was great, and it adds another layer to their feud. And a, a feud that, that I think has been built up expertly, um, I, I, as mm-hmm. you and I talked about, I think this and the Seth Rollins, Triple H ones, are the real um, are the real winners going into Mania? And I would say the Goldberg Brock Lesnar one. The writing has been great. I just think the match is going to be terrible, and the wrong guys are in it. But um, you know, uh, th- this has been done well. So I have to say, you know, it, compared to years past, they they're doing a lot more um, interesting things with their storylines going forward. And I thought this was uh, one of the, the the key moments. And hopefully that type of booking and that type of writing becomes the norm for them. Because as, we, as we've talked about, we knew it was going to be Seth and Triple H months ago. The minute Seth got that pedigree, it's like, okay, it's going to be Triple H and Seth at Mania. But that was, that's fine. I'm completely okay with that. Um, it's just that everything in between has been really, really good. And that's where the money is. And that's where you really get me excited to see those matches. And Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, same thing. They've been building this for such a long time. Uh, that this feels warranted, and this legitimately has me excited to see WrestleMania because I want to see how that match turns out. And kudos to the WWE. You did an expert job with those two feuds. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> you look at, um, and I mean, like you said, that's exactly the point. They, they have all these end games, but the, their journeys there are, are generally pretty terrible. And I mean, you look at these matches that they that we have on the show, and like, Regardless of what you think of these matches, and that that's a that's a, that's a thing for another day. But regardless of what you think of these matches, the builds have generally been well. I mean, let's go through these. Um, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. I mean, you know, about that, as well as it could be, considering they ruined Bray Wyatt. But they've it, exactly the score's been about as good as it can be. Exactly, I, I completely agree. And they've been they've been doing this essentially since like September. So, um, you know, long-term booking there, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Like, once again, I hate that Goldberg's a universal champion. I hate that Brock's going to win it. I hate that this match is closing. Um, it's, it, I, I hate all that about it. Regardless, the writing's been really good. Like, Goldberg having Brock's number, going over him each time. I mean, they've gotten Goldberg over with this booking. There's no doubt about that. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I think they've done the most with what they have here and and there's not much more you can say about this undertaker and roman reigns um i don't think it's the best build um i mean this match is going to be unless it's roman reigns just demolishing undertaker for like seven minutes it's going to be terrible if they do that and they just have him just destroy undertaker which is the best possible idea for this um you know no it's a mistake but 
for the most part, the build has been pretty good. I mean, I would have had Undertaker cost Roman the match against Braun at Fastlane. I think that basically what they did at the end of this show. Yeah, essentially, I, that 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 would be what I would have done. But you know, essentially, it's 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 fine. It's not a terrible build. Jericho and Owen. And you said it to go back to what you said about them needing to keep that match short short and just have Roman kill him. Um, Undertaker just watching him at the end of Raw this week, he looked like he got winded after a choke slam, and he looks like he can barely walk. Like, come on, guys, let's. I think let's his reaction was more, "Oh no, I turned my back on Roman." You think so? I think that's what that was. Yes. I don't know. With Taker, it's hard to tell sometimes. It is. It is. Um. Jericho and Owens, we discussed um, the mixed tag match. I think has been been built pretty well, especially with with Miz and with the promos going back and forth and the way forth and the way they've woven reality. And I, I think that's uh, been done very well. Um, I'm, I'm going to come to the next one, Patrick. Actually, the next two, and I think these are these are two examples of just generally very bad builds, um, and that's both women's title matches. Yeah, and that's kind of surprising when you consider how much effort they put into building up the women's division and really touting their success with the women's division for both matches to kind of just feel like, I mean, the Raw match is a mess. They're just, uh, and we've talked about that at nauseum. I mean, that's basically the entire division in one match. And then the SmackDown match is just, yeah, Alexa, you're just going to defend your title against everybody because, hey, hey, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think Bailey and Charlotte should be the match, um, I think it should be Bailey challenging Charlotte. But even if Bailey had won it, I like the idea of Bailey trying to beat Charlotte without interference. I think that's an interesting story. I think that's one of the few interesting things in that match. Um, I mean, Sasha and I don't need to be there. I don't think they do. Um, they, they, you know, should have done something else or. Make WrestleMania the two-day event, like we say, but, I mean, I don't think they need to be there. On the other side, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I guess it should have been, like, Alexa and Naomi or Becky and Naomi, but Naomi got hurt, so who knows. Um, but it's just it's just throwing everything out there and, and hope we get something out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Neville and Aries, I think, has actually been done very well. Um, yeah, I agree. Do you agree? Okay. Um, Gallows and Anderson, uh, Enzo and Cass and Cesaro and Sheamus is just lazy writing. Um, that's not a good one. <laughs> Shane McMahon and AJ Styles is not re- I wouldn't consider it really a build because it's just like, it, it's been like two weeks of stories and it, it, there's nothing really there. Yeah, not a long-term build. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the original plan to do Shane versus Lesnar? Yes, that was the original plan. Okay, um, and that's why they didn't really have anything for AJ, because Shane was going to have a spot regardless, but AJ, they were just trying to figure things out. Um, but, yeah, I, even though it doesn't have that long-term buildup, I will say I did like what they did on SmackDown last week, so it's not like, it, yeah, it's thrown together, but it's not, like, painful. So yeah. I can kind of live with it. And the Andre, the Andre the Giant... Memorial Battle Royal doesn't seem to have any storylines in it beyond Dolph Ziggler and Mojo Rawley. And I would even say, uh, I I think I said this last week, um, I'm fine with this match as long as Braun Strowman wins. This should be his match. Well, people apparently people are now suggesting Strowman's going to be in the Undertaker-Reigns match, to, to which point I say, I hope not. Like, the best 
scenario for that is for Reigns to just destroy the Undertaker. We talked about that. Then you have a white hot heel that can essentially carry your show. I mean, he can go after Lesnar. You can build up to like a big Lesnar match in the spring. Um, or, or, you know what, build to Lesnar at SummerSlam. I know, uh, I know over last week it was announced that the main event for WrestleMania that's being planned right now is Roman Reigns and Brock, Brock Lesnar, which is grown worthy, but you know, <laughs> may, maybe they like, I've had a while to think about this, but I'm like, maybe if they, they can get there, if they turn Reigns heel, I mean, which is basically what everyone is begging for them to do. Um, you my know, fear he, is, is that Ro- Roman's going to win regardless. We know that. My fear and, is and, and, that he, not- and he should win. Undertaker's a thousand years old. I agree. Um, my fear is, is that they're not going to turn Reigns heel. They're going to kind of like do what they did with Batista at that one WrestleMania with Taker, where they're going to heal him up a little bit, but then he'll just go right back to being a face when it's done. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, my fear is that's probably what they're going to do as well because they're fucking tone deaf. But, um, <laughs> you know, the hope is that they're like, hey, you're, you have no better chance to cement this guy as the ultimate villain and fucking just destroying The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, it would, be, it would set him up so well. And then you can build to Lesnar and Reigns at SummerSlam, and he goes over Reigns. And then, I don't know, you build, like, Seth and Roman or something the next year, or Roman and Dean, or, or Roman and, and, I don't know, anyone. Roman and Cesaro. Roman and, you, you have a ton of possibilities then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, but, Roman would be vastly more interesting as a heel, and I think the fact that they haven't done it yet is crazy. Well, the, 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 they're so in love with the idea of Roman being the heel and Seth, I'm sorry, Roman being the face and Seth being the heel. I mean, they are just in love with the idea of those being the two guys. They want, and, and I mean, how long did it take them to turn Seth heel a, a face? And it took them forever to do it, and then they didn't even do it very strong. They had Triple H turn on him. I mean, he's over because people just like Seth Rollins and respect. It's that Shawn Michaels over thing where they're just like, he's a really good worker, so we like him. You know, it's not really, in, in, I understand where they're going with it because inherently Seth is, um, you know, he's just there's something unlikable about him. It's it's the same quality Sean had, but there's also that point where like people are just cheering him regardless. So you might as well just do this. And yeah, I understand. Roman seems like he'd make a good babyface. He's strong. He's silent. Uh, he'll beat the shit out of you. But you you know you they've done so much to ruin him over the past like three years that the only reset you can do for that is the heel turn. It's the only reset. And it's it's available to you, and you've done it many times before. And I know the reason they're like, well, they're not going to do it until they have a babyface to 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 take over for him. And my question is, what about Seth? Well, like like is he not like like I understand he's injured, but and I mean I you know who knows Finn Balor's coming back soon, and I know they like him. I know they're probably a little bit sour because of how he got hurt, but um you know you you just gotta you just gotta give it a chance. Like they really do. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Shawn Michaels because I think what they're what they're thinking is that okay, Roman, we can make him like our new Undertaker, and Rollins would be our new Michaels, and they'll have that same chemistry, and it never really panned out that way. Yeah, no, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, we'll see. Um, uh, I mean, I, I I think I think this looks a lot better than last year. Am I crazy for saying this? No, no, I would say better than the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And even 30, uh, I mean, really, it had the Daniel Bryan story. That was a 
about it as far as buildups go. And and it was a great story, and thank God we got it. But um, and even then, you could say it's like Punk's leaving kind of put those pieces into place to make it happen. But still, yeah. we got it. And then yeah. 29, I mean, you'd have to go back a really long time to find uh, a WrestleMania with as many well-built matches as this, as this one does. Well, let's see. You got, what was, 29 was ours, right? So Yeah, and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 28 was the... Um, Roxena. Yeah. 27 was the Miz one, right? Mm-hmm. It was probably 26. 26 is probably the last one. Yeah, and that one did have a lot of... Uh, not all of them paid off well, but they... That no, was, no, they didn't. They didn't. Um, Fred Hart, we're looking in your direction. Um, <laughs> Four out of ten. Yeah. Jesus. Um, I understand where they thought that booking would work, but it just didn't, you know? Like, he's like, oh, you're just no, going to beat the shit all. out of me for 20 minutes. And in theory, it's like, oh, it sounds great. But then you're just like, ugh, when you're watching it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, okay. So that's where we are. Is is Ambrose and like I have not watched SmackDown a full SmackDown show in a while. Is Ambrose and Corbin are they still feuding? They are. I'm not sure if they're set for Mania yet. I haven't looked to, to see if that match has been made official. It's not on the Wikipedia page. Which okay. Is normally updated fairly quickly. Okay. Um, I would imagine they'll get on the card in some capacity, whether it's the pre-show or the main card. They may yeah. even just put them in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and then have them have their feud after Mania, but... Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to be on the pre-show? Here's what I, I... I think the SmackDown women's title, Neville and Aries, the <laughs> Raw tag title, and... That's a lot of pre-show matches. <laughs> well, they had... Didn't they have three last year where they had... They had uh, Ryback and Kalisto... They had... Uh, the Dudleys and Usos. Oh, yeah. Um, and there was a women's tag that was... Um, yeah, yeah. So they had three. So, yeah. Let's see. Hold on. Yeah. They had 12 total last year and three on the pre-show. Right now, we are at... We're at 11 total. And that doesn't include Seth and Triple H. Um, so, yeah, they might just put Ambrose in... Unless they want to shorten some of these. I mean... Um, time-wise, I'm looking at, I, I mean, I think Lesnar and Goldberg is going to go like three minutes. I really do. Oh, it's going to be super short. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, you've only got a few for that. I mean, Roman and Undertaker should be like seven minutes, but Mike, they're going to give them like 17. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I mean, you, you think so they, they're, they're probably going to do that, right? I mean, it's not out of the road. I mean, okay, we just talked about the Bret Hart-Vince match. That match went on forever when you had a 60-year-old and a guy that can't bump. That'll yeah. work well. Um, what, how much do you think they'll give to Bray and Randy? Um, that one will probably go a while. I'd say at least 20. Yeah. Jericho and Owens get 20? I would, honestly, I would, like, Seth and Triple H and Owens and Jericho, those would be the two, like, lengthy ones. You know how you always have those Mania matches that go, like, 25 for Yeah, those I would agree. Those are the agree. two matches that, yeah, those are the two matches that should get the most consideration for the time. I think, um, I think AJ and Shane is probably going to look at a long time, too, because they gave fucking Shane, like, 30 minutes with The Undertaker last year, and it's the fucking Shane and The Undertaker, and this year it's AJ Styles, so they're like, oh, he can take him for a while. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um 
Yeah, so I think what they'll give, like, Neville and Aries, like, 10. They'll give um, the tag title match, like, probably 9 or 10. Uh, women will probably get, like, 16, 17, I think. Uh, uh, raw women. SmackDown women will probably get, like, 6 or 7. Yeah. What do you think mixed tag gets? I think, like, 15, uh, 10 to 16. 12, somewhere okay. in that range. Okay. All right. All right, so I think that's about it. I, like, is there before we go to our WrestleMania retro recap, um, is there anything else we should talk about that's 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 new in the world? Okay, I'm the jerk. I'll just go ahead and bring it up. Do we want to talk about Paige? I mean, I guess we can um, because people will be talking about that. I mean, my thought process, my my thinking is, I don't think, I don't think anyone should be punished because it was a theft. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nothing happened to Seth in in a similar situation. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like you know, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's no. And I'll be honest, as someone who works in cybersecurity, I always feel bad whenever something like that happens because that's like, yeah, that's that's the type of stuff is the reason I have a job. So it's it's very embarrassing and it's very sad. So I, I feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's that's really it. Um, uh, okay, so let's go to WrestleMania. All right, so which ones do we, we, we don't do 15, 16, or 13, because we've done those too many times, right? R- right, right, and last week we did 4, 6, and 29. Yes, correct, okay, so we'll do a few here. All right, let's do it. How about this one? Not too bad. WrestleMania 10. Oh, my birthday one. That was oh yes, yes that's uh that's your birthday one. Do, yep, is yep, it, is that the only life. one? That's the only one, yeah. Huh? Is that the earliest one? Uh, what do you mean? Like, is there any that take place earlier in March than that one? Oh, um. Oh wait, you know what? I, I, it might be. I can't think of one that takes place. Hold on, hold like on. I'm going. I'm going through right here right now. Oh, um, you know what? Uh, uh, eighteen. That one was on St. Patrick's Day. It was also um, twenty is March fourteenth. So that's the earliest one that I see. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Okay. So WrestleMania ten. Um, most people, I think, considered this the best. Uh, in popular opinion, until seventeen came along, I think they would they put this up there with like three. Yeah, it was. This was an interesting one because this was the first one without Hogan. So obviously there were a lot of changes, and uh, in some of the years that followed this one, you could kind of see the the bloom coming off the rose a little bit. Kind of the glory days of the rock and wrestling era were gone, but you had all these hot, young, exciting talents that were really kind of carrying the company, and uh, they were able to do some amazing things. And we got. Honestly, I would say two of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history and one of the best wrestlers they had at the time winning the title at the end of the show in Madison Square Garden. So uh, they accomplished a lot on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is one of those... 94 is such a weird year. If you ever go back there, it's like this this rock and wrestling, and which, by the way, I, I hate when people call that time period the golden age because... <laughs> 
because it, it's the that's the 1950s and people need to read things and learn history before they do stuff <laughs> like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, this is a perfect, not a perfect, but it's it's a, it's a melding of the rock and wrestling and new generation era. I mean, you've got like like Randy Savage is on the card, but he's lower than like Razor Ramon and Bret Hart are on the card, you know. Earthquake mm-hmm. wins a match on the card, and he squashes Adam Bomb. Um, you know, it, it's just, um, it, it's just, um, you know, crushes there. You know, it, it's just such a, it's such an interesting mix. Um, but you can see that they were really going full tilt with with the young guys. Um, uh, you know, Brett and at that goes point, o- rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, they, and they they should have, and it paid off really well for them um, and the entire industry in the end. You know, you have like. In the two in the featured matches that there there are are all the new guys. It's all like it, it, of course if now if this match happened now it would have, or uh, this show happened now it would have been like Ultimate Warrior and Roddy Piper in the main event and like you know like nobody would fucking get over and you know but for this one you know you have Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Razor, Shawn, Diesel, and Yokozuna uh, and Lex Luger all in the featured matches and those were all new guys. Um, no none of the previous like. You know, I mean, Brett and Sean had been around, sure, but this was this was them getting featured in those kind of roles. So it was it was really it was really the new generation's coming out party. I mean, you can look at you can look at um, WrestleMania nine and maybe make a case there, but I mean, you know, it's just well, that's Razor... with Hogan stealing the title, so it's kind of like the exactly. wrestling era was still kind of holding on with its dying breath and I, I agree with you it's like 10 was kind of the coming out party for the new generation yeah um <clears throat> this has um uh bread and owen is, is is a really great match unfortunately for bread and owen and as always the story is it's overshadowed by the ladder match later and it's like oh what's gonna top that opener and then of course you know it got topped um and those matches have been talked about ad nauseum um Mm-hmm. Uh, I but remember. Two, I'll be honest. Two of my favorite matches of all time. Those were two that really kind of, you know, I was nine. Year, I turned nine years old that day, and it kind of. Those were that was one of the first shows I remember watching. Like, man, those matches were really amazing. Where I actually started to care about like the quality and the excitement of the matches themselves. Yeah, well, if if you were a WWF fan like you and I both were, you didn't have a lot of quality matches for the most part to to look at. For I mean. For the longest time, Vince's product was like big guys like smashing into each other. Not to say big guys are bad workers, but Vince, for the most part, had a lot of big guys that weren't very good workers, you know? So it wasn't mm-hmm. always his M.O. to provide matches like that. So if you were a WWF fan, and this is like this is around the era where I started watching, uh, Patrick had been watching longer, so I guess it was more of a jarring experience for him, but you didn't really have a, a, lot, of, a lot of stuff to compare it to So um, as far as good stuff. So... Yeah, no, I and um, now correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm crazy. I remember enjoying Savage and Crush as like a fun match. Am I crazy or am I misremembering this? Um, the rules were kind of stupid, where they had to pin it. It was false count anywhere, and they. But had then to you had to like he couldn't get up for a ten count. Right. It, no, he had to run. Both guys would have. You had to, to make it back in the ring. Yes, that's it. Yeah, so the rules were really dumb, but other than that, if you're willing to overlook that, like, the match itself is kind of fun and crazy, so yeah, uh, it is what it is. And actually, one of the forgotten things about this mania, the build-up to that match was really good. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really good because – That remember, was some of the best stuff in Raw's earlier days. Yeah, it, and it, it was great because, like, first of all, Crush is, like, hot garbage as a wrestler. He's terrible. But the writing for him was really good. Like, so for those of you who aren't aware, um, what Patrick's describing is um, in at the USS Intrepid uh, in July of 93 um, – yes everybody's trying to slam uh, Yokozuna and one of the last people before Luger finally does it is crush and crush like strains his back doing it uh, or something. And then after that, he tries to like get, get revenge on Yoko and tries to take him down and Yoko just destroys them. And he bonsai drops him like 18 times or, or something. And, and Savage was like cheering him on this whole time. And then, so he's out for a while and he comes back and he attacks, he, he talks about, he, I, I think they call him on the phone or something, and he calls out Savage, and or Savage tries to call him or something when they're all, he's like, how you doing, Crush? And he's like, he doesn't respond to him or something. And he's just like, he's like, you know, you're not my friend. He's like, he didn't say anything to me when I was in the hospital. And which like is great motivation because on one hand, it's like, well, you know, Crush has justification because Savage was a shitty friend, but he's going about it the wrong way, which makes him like a, a heel, but he is still justified. It makes sense. And then he actually aligns with Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji, which were the people that put him out in the first place. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was a great build. I mean, it, and it got a lot of um, time leading up, as far as TV time well, building up to this. I remember they were doing stuff at Survivor Series uh, in the main event of that show where Savage kept trying to interfere just to get at Crush. Yeah, and they also, um, people forget this, but um, Savage and Yoko have a WWF title match in, I want to say, like, February or March or something, like, pretty close to Mania, where Savage yeah. is going for the title. And if if I'm not mistaken, Crush interferes in that match. Um, I believe that's the case, yes. Um, but that was like the thing. It like could have been like Savage and Crush for the title. I mean, it wasn't going to be, but you know. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a great build. Um, and but my God, I'm sure we'll talk about this. But that that Luger Yoko match was just fucking awful. Oh, it is terrible. I think the reason it was terrible is because uh, Yoko. And say what you will about Yokozuna. Plenty of guys can say anything about Yoko. Oh, he was talented for a big guy, but a man of that size probably shouldn't be wrestling twice in one night. And I think the reason the Luger match was the way it was, because it's like, oh, Yoko's going to have to go later. And so they worked this very dull, boring, nothing happens match and just to get to the main event. With uh, lots of nerve holds. Lots of nerve holds, yes. I, I think they wanted Luger to save face, too, so they couldn't just have Yoko kill him. So it was kind of like they booked themselves into a hole with this. Well, this is like this is like the worst show ever for Luger because he loses by DQ after beating Yoko at count, by count. Of, and then the next big program for him is set up to be Luger versus Perfect. And, of course, Perfect just, like, bolts. Yeah, yeah, they never followed up on that. I think Pro Perfect had a promo the next night on Raw, if memory serves me right. But then they never did anything with it again. Yeah, well, they talk about him a little bit because, you know, they did they did the tapings and stuff. But, but yeah, it was like – and Perfect did that a lot. I mean, he would not, like – he would be feuding. He was feuding with somebody in 93 after the Michaels match, and he just disappears. He did this. He does the thing with Triple H in 96. So Perfect did that a lot. I'm sure it had something to do with his Lloyds of London policy. But, um, yeah, he would – he um, he was a cock tease. <laughs> 
he was the perfect cock taste. Yeah, perfect. Um, in my watching of old Raws and Nitros and everything, you know, I started at 93. And now when you get to 95, I'm watching both Raw and Nitros and stuff. I'm at, um, I just got done with the 96 King of the Ring where, where he was the perfect referee. And then, see, there's a thing where, there's another thing where he's like, oh, I'll be involved with this. And then he's like, yeah, I'll leave until Triple H shows up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. I've never heard anything about perfect being a politician or anything like that. It's like refusing to put people over. So I don't know why that happened. Yeah. All right. So let's do the last one for today. Um, it's a different one. So uh, let's talk about uh, WrestleMania 20. Uh, I'm sorry, I was about to say 23, but what I meant was 24. 24. Um, this was a good one. Uh, that year, I remember being, um, and you know, I think the entirety of like the, well, for lack of a better term, I'll just call it the Cena era. Um, we kind of remember those shows and a lot of the material from these more recent years being terrible. But I remember 2008 as a whole being not so bad. And this mania was kind of indicative of it. It's like, you know, it was pretty good. It was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 08, 08 isn't terrible. I mean, it's big, 07 and 09 are both terrible. And 08's like this beacon of, like, hope for a little bit. Yeah. Um. All right, so um, we had some good ones. I remember, I remember, I had things that were just like the only thing I really liked about the opener was um, JBL beating up a midget. Well, well, when he um, when he threw that uh, trash can right at Hornswoggle's face. Yeah, I I was I admit to laughing maniacally when I saw that. So they created a moment that was memorable in a in a match that had no business being memorable. So yeah. Um, there's also the. Uh, Money in the Bank match with other than CM Punk winning, I'm just like these things all run together. You know, I remember Matt Hardy coming down and attacking MVP, um, mm-hmm. and Shelton Benjamin probably did something cool, but they they all just run together. You know, if they do. This one was one of the better ones because you had John Morrison in it and he did a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, didn't he like moon salt with the ladder in his like hands? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um. Okay. Then we have Batista and Umaga, which I was I was hyped for. I thought it was going to be a really cool like Hoss fight, and it it turned out to not be so much. It was very ordinary, and yeah. you also get to see Umaga basically Batista bomb himself. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean from a perverse standpoint, um, Kane and Chavo where we was just like, hey, let's have like the shortest title match ever. Um, that was what that was. Did King um, win a battle royal in the pre-show to get that yes, title he shot? Yes, did. he did. The prestigious WWECW title. Yes, yes, indeed. Then we have Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, which, you know, you all know the story of how good this thing is. You all know the story of how good Shawn Michaels makes this match because Ric Flair is incapable of doing anything remotely athletic in the match. I mean, they try to do, like, the back the bridge, up. bridge, the bridge up uh, thing, and... He just cannot do it, and but but holy shit! Like another, if you ever need reasons of why Shawn Michaels is like the greatest ever, you should watch this match as it's like you know just incredible. Um, yeah, this was the, probably the perfect example of you know you hear the old adage of oh he could carry a broomstick to a good match, and I'm like this might be the best example of it because yeah, which is funny because everybody Flair, used to yeah everybody always used to use that phrase with um with Flair, you know yeah. So who would have thought yep. that Flair would be the broomstick? 
Yeah, and that's it, that's exactly what this match was. It was all everything that was great about this match was all Michaels and the booking of the whole situation. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean that whole like I'm sorry, I love you thing that that was perfect. Um, the Bunny Mania Lumberjill match. We don't need to talk about that. I remember then the we, lights went out during that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody missed a thing. Um, you had Orton beating Cena and Triple H in a triple threat match. I remember just nobody in the world thinking Orton was going to win this. No, no. Uh, us included. We all thought it was, it was like, all right, it's going to be either Triple H or Cena, so whatever. This was, this was at Cena and Triple H's, like, most unstoppable. Like, when... When when Triple H and Cena lost to almost no one, and and mm-hmm. and Orton got, and you're like, oh wow, jeez. Um, yeah, Triple was, H uh, too bad he just lost it the next month. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was basically the reverse of the next year where Triple H beat him at the show, and then um, and then Orton won it the next month. Um, mm-hmm. um, okay, so we've got Big Show and Floyd Mayweather next, which. My, a lot which, of people shit on this match. I actually liked it. I think it's as good as it could possibly be, and it's really smartly booked. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I, I, you know, it's one of those kind of weird, offbeat, like, and, you know, I could call it a celebrity match, but it's really kind of this offbeat, like, non-traditional thing. And for that, I kind of, I kind of dug it. Yeah. And then we have the main event, which I thought with better commentary would have been such... Such a better match. Um, with Undertaker was it still and Michael Edge. Cole and Taz at that point? I think it's Michael Cole and Foley and Taz. Or No, I think it's Michael Cole and, and... Let me see who it was. Let me see. Um, no, it was Michael Cole and Coachman. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I remember a lot of us were thinking, um, because the, the other title match had Cena and Triple H, it was like, well, I mean, that one's going to be the main event. And um, we were all legitimately surprised when Edge and Taker got the closing spot. But the best thing about this match, it's cool that Edge got his WrestleMania main event. A, a, a talent that definitely deserved it got royally screwed at 22. That should have been his year. And to see him kind of overcome that and get the main event spot at Mania, I was like, good for him. He deserved it. Yeah, yeah. And and we we had hoped this was going to be the main event, and thank God it was. Of course, it started one of Undertaker's nineteen thousand final world title runs, but you know. And they also screwed up here, um, and we've talked about this before, uh, by having Edge lose the Money in the Bank the year before, because it kind of killed Edge's undefeated streak at Mania. And they, this match could have been undefeated versus undefeated, but yes, yes. And uh, eventually, they said, you know, they were like, "I've never been pinned or submitted at a WrestleMania." Which, which is not as effective as saying undefeated, um, and they went to the fact that Undertaker's never beaten me, which I don't know if that's exactly true, but you know, but you, you got a good match out of it. It was a good ending, um, and it was the first in the outdoor stadiums of like the modern era. Yeah, that fucking Citrus Bowl. Fuck that place. They hate that so much. For those of you listening that don't know, um, Patrick thinks it's so hilarious that. Um, Everyone in the WWE just complained about how shitty the Citrus Bowl was in in some some DVD bonus thing or it something. It was the Mania of WrestleMania, that documentary. Isn't that from 2003? No. no oh, oh, you know what? I'm thinking of – okay, no. The Mania of WrestleMania is the – that's the Jesse Ventura narrated thing. Um, 
there was some other thing they did that was like the history of WrestleMania or something like that that they did a few years ago. And that's okay. where we watched it. And that's where we saw the the WWE's unmitigated hatred for the Citrus Bowl. Which is funny because they're back there. Like, they fucking love Orlando. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not going to make any sense out of it. But they're back there now. It's, it's Now it's called Camping World Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really funny. Because it's Camping World. That's a, <laughs> a thing. Sounds like so um, much fun. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're done here. Um, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hope everybody has a good rest of your week. Uh, but for Eric, Cl- for myself, who is Eric Clancy, and Mr. C- Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are signing off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.